You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the show. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and giving me your time. I know there are a million other things you could be listening to right now, and the fact that you've chosen this one means a lot to me, so thank you very much. This one's really exciting. Uh, Rick and I have known each other on the internet for a very long time. He's been a listener of the podcast since pretty much day one, and uh, as such, we've interacted in the Tone Mob Facebook group and on Instagram for years and years. So it was really cool to finally get to actually talk to him, especially after this collab we just did and all that. So this was really cool. Nice to get his backstory and just catch up in general, actually, you know, with a conversation instead of just regular old messages. So that has been a lot of fun. Just want to give a quick little plug here and then we'll get right into the episode. So As I've been talking about for weeks now, I've got a text thread going where you can text me at 503-751-8577. And last week, I gave those people a sneak peek at the first track off of my upcoming EP, which I'm really, really excited to share with everybody. But yeah, I texted out the the first track of that to those people, and the feedback's been really great, and it's been really cool to chat with people one-on-one in real time about music business, about art, about creation, about podcasting, about cooking, about cars, about anything under the sun. So that's where I'm putting out all kinds of content uh, that isn't necessarily just guitar gear focused, and it goes straight to those text people. And it's been really fun to chat one-on-one with everybody. And as of right now, I still can reply to everyone. So that's been really cool. Those one-on-one conversations have been excellent. And it's really me. It goes right to my phone. The first couple uh, opt-in things are automated to, you know, take care of the legal mumbo jumbo and all that. And I'm not doing anything with any of that information ever. I'm not selling it to anyone. No one will have access to any of your data. That is just so that we can contact each other. So again, that phone number is 503-751-8577. If you want to text in there, we can chat. So, yeah. If you text in text me EP, I'll I'll go ahead and send you the track I sent everybody last week. So, you can check it out. Let me know what you think. Okay, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Rick Calhoun from Honey Picks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Rick Calhoun from Honey Picks. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm excited to, excited to do this. We've 
you know, talked on the internet for like uh, ever. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and you, you know, started your company fairly recently and we did the pick collab together and all that. And I was like, well, why, why, why are we not doing a podcast? This feels overdue. Yeah. And I've been, I've been listening to your podcast for years now and it just kind of feels surreal that I'm actually doing it now. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I'm sure it's just, just life changing sitting in front of your computer. (laughs) Well, I'm away from my, my kids and family. I'm actually on Christmas vacation right now, but I'm, I'm making picks during the week. And, uh, this is actually a little time from the craziness that my, my twins and my little girls put me through. I see. I see. Taking a little break. Yeah. So, yeah. So you've, you have, you've listened for a long time and you've not just listened for a long time. You've, you know, you've interacted with me in the various forms, whether it's on IG or the Facebook group or whatever, like we've talked digitally about all kinds of things for forever. Um, There's, you know, there's a handful of people that, that do listen to the show that, that that I have a kind of a relationship with in that way where we we talk on the internet all the time in addition yeah. to them being a listener and you're one of them but when did you you know well maybe we need to reverse a little bit I was going to say when did you start your company but we can get into that a little bit later like when did you start playing guitar what's your what's your story with all that okay so with guitar uh When I was a little kid, I knew my dad had an old guitar that he kept in his closet. And my dad didn't play guitar, but I knew it was in there. And uh, I started playing, you know, clarinet and saxophone and band. And uh, I must have been 15. I think I was a freshman in high school. And I was playing saxophone and jazz band. And all of a sudden, I look over at the guitar player and I'm like, man, he is so much cooler than me. I just really (laughs) want to play guitar. And so I went home. I was like, hey, dad you know, that guitar you got in the closet, would you mind if I like played it and figured out what it was? You know, he's like, sure, man, take it out. You know, I'd love for you to be able to do something with it. So I got this guitar and I got like a Mel Bay book or something and quickly learned what tabs were and we're doing all that and teaching myself all to find out I was playing on my grandpa's 1965 Gibson J 45. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, that so, old that old guitar, that old thing. Yeah, yeah. And so that's good that's the guitar I started on and learned on. And uh it's kind of a shame cuz I I feel like I started with the best. And like right after that I had to get, you know, my mom and dad were gracious enough to to want to want me to keep pursuing my uh guitar and music. And they took me to the pawn shop and uh got me a Suzuki Strat copy guitar with a solid state gorilla amp. And uh, ah, I, I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't figure out why I, why I couldn't sound like the guys on the radio. So <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there. We've all yeah, that, that problem. That, that's kind of how, how I got into guitar. So, yeah, that's, it's kind of funny. Not, not quite such a drastic step, you know, going from a 65 J 45, to a more budget-friendly thing. But when I first started, too, it was like, oh, yeah, you can play this old Takamini. (laughs) Yeah. Been been in the family. And it was like a 1970s, you know, Takamini or whatever. And I'm like, in retrospect, and then it was, it's kind of a confusing story, but basically it had to go back to my grandpa at some point because he 
he was just letting dad borrow it for something. And, uh, and my mom had an, a 1970s Yamaha in her closet, which is oh, also man. a great guitar. And I didn't know any better. And apparently dad didn't know any better either. And so I went to go shopping for my guitar. Right. And I picked out this relatively cheap I think it was like 220 bucks or whatever like this but it was a really pretty blue ibanez acoustic right it's fine like it's there's nothing like wrong with it and it definitely worked uh, and i still have it because sentimental reasons but my mom traded her yamaha to get it now and now as an adult i'm like oh we should have kept the yamaha <laughs> yeah those things are great Oh man, those uh, was it the old red label Japanese made Yamahas? Yes, exactly. Those, oh man, those are great. Yes, I don't yeah. know. What, uh, I'm like, no. Why did we do that? No. Yeah, yeah. I I had a classical. It was like a '70s Yamaha classical guitar when I first mm-hmm. when I was kind of starting, and I didn't realize I didn't realize how great it was because I just didn't know. And I traded it for a deluxe Memory Man. And, well, uh, I mean, the memory man is cool, but you can get a memory man any day. I can never get that guitar back. You know, that's true. So that's true. Yeah, it's weird. The things we learn as as we go along. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, just this weekend, my dad's got uh, my other grandpa's well, it's the same grandpa who has the uh, who gave me the Les Paul Jr. He had this 70s Aria uh, acoustic and. I was trying to figure out, I'm like, this guitar sounds really awesome and it plays yeah. really awesome. And then I like looked into the history of that particular one. I think it's called like a, a J 12. Um, and it turns out it's just, it's cause it's like a D 18 copy. Oh man. And, and, and made really well, you know, and it's like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you just copied one of the classic models. So of course it sounds good. Yeah. But, yeah, don't sleep on the seventies uh, Japanese guitars and everybody. There's there's some good stuff out there and it's not all that expensive. They're just no. really good. I'm I'm still amazed at the modern acoustics Yamaha put out. Like even the cheap stuff sounds great, you know. I haven't played the acoustics uh, of the newer n- newer Yamaha, but the electrics are awesome. Yeah. I I've played yeah. those a bunch of times and those are killer. I don't know why nobody's talking about them, but they're awesome. Those Rev Stars are really cool. I like those they guitars. Are. Yeah, those are. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Those things are awesome. So, as you progressed, did you end up playing in bands or anything? What What happened? I mean, uh, yeah, but most most of my playing has been like in a praise and worship band at church, and uh, I've been doing that on and off. Let's see. I probably started when I was 16, and I'm 34 now, so I've been been playing in churches mostly so. okay gotcha gotcha lots of capos involved then <laughs> it, yeah yeah it just depends like you know okay I, I capo when i have to but i don't capo yeah. as much as i used to i've been on this capo kick lately i'm i i've had i'm holding it right now actually this old dunlop capo that i don't remember where i've got it but i've had it for like a million years like i've had it for so long and it 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 just keeps i lose it occasionally and then i'll find it in a random drawer and i don't know it's always just worked but i posted about it the other day and uh everyone was really raving on the the g7th so i'm gonna try the g7th capo here pretty soon we'll see see if i can be 
persuaded into some new capo technology. We'll see yeah. what happens. Those do look cool. The first capo I ever had, I got it at like a flea, I think it was a flea market. And it had like this stretchy bungee material on the back. And you just had different, like a belt, different holes of how oh, yes. t- tension you want it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could never get that thing to be in tune putting it on. It just never worked. But I remember those things. Yeah. I've seen those before. It's like, ooh, that good in theory, but yeah, doesn't really work. Yeah, not really. Not really. So not tell really. me about the the picks. When did you decide to start making picks, and how did you come out of the gate so hot? Like they're all they all look so good. I mean, oh, I've man. only experienced a few of them myself, but. I can tell they're really nice picks. How did you figure all this out? Well, I didn't take pictures of my first picks that I made. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, fair enough. Well, to back up a little bit, uh, me and my brother worked together at the same place. And at the shop, we have a laser. And he don't play guitar. and But we had this extra acrylic laying around. And his name's Andrew. And he came over to me. He's like, hey, Rick, uh, I got this laser and we got acrylic. And uh, I bet we can make picks out of it. And I'm like, yes, we can. We can definitely make some picks out of this. So we, I, I got on CAD and drew up some different shapes. I didn't want to copy anybody. I wanted to, you know, do something different, but still kind of in the same classical type shape. And so we drew some things up and uh, he would cut it out on the laser and we would try to learn how to bevel it as best as we could. The first, the first ones we did were pretty bad. I mean, (laughs) I I wouldn't want anybody to ever see them. Uh, But as we kept going, you know, we kept getting better and better and better. And I guess right around Mar- the end of March, 1st of April, right when the whole COVID thing happened, that's when we felt like we were actually making decent enough picks that I could actually sell them. And so that's how that started. But, and did you just start, like, how did you get your first customer? I know that's something that a lot of people want to get into the the gear market and they don't you know, they might have an idea or they might have a product, but they don't really know where to start. So how did you get people interested in the first place? Well, I've always, like, I love gear. And so I shop on Reverb all the time. And so I thought, I bet I could sell some picks on Reverb. But the thing is, when you go and you ship something on Reverb, it doesn't give you, you know, small parcel package price for shipping. So you're asking $5 for a, a pick and then you're asking eight dollars for shipping no i mean that's a lot of money just for a pick so i did that for just a couple uh, i think i sold like five picks on reverb back in march or april and then i i got turned on to etsy.com and i started selling etsy and uh and doing it that way but the, my, the first people that started buying my picks were uh pick collectors and other pick makers believe it or not interesting and uh yeah. It's just because they wanted to explore or like or just see what the competition was doing or how did how did what, what was the reasoning there? Well, you know, it's kind of like I've heard you talk about it many times on the show like the pedal community. 
and the guys are always helping each other out and, and just really friendly with each other. And it just sounds like a great place to be. I'm telling you the pick, like all the different pick makers, like the guys that are doing, you know, not like, not like Jim Dunlop or Ernie Ball or the big guys. I'm talking about the guys like me. We are a tight knit group and we really like, we enjoy each other and, and it's not, it doesn't feel competitive at all. We're all trying to help each other out. And uh, it, it's really something. It's 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 really a blessing to be a part of, really. That's a, that's interesting. That has to be, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but in my view, that's that has to be such a smaller batch of people, at least currently, than, say, the pedal community, for instance. Oh, gosh. Well, the pedal community, I mean, if I feel like I'm finding out a, about a different pedal company every week. You probably um, are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't keep up. I used to be able to keep up with it, but I can't keep up with it anymore. But yeah, with the picks, there's probably around 20 of us, maybe. Okay. I mean, there, okay. it. you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing some, but I'm just ballparking around 20 of us that are, uh, you know, selling, you know, that are not doing like one or two a month or something like that. Right. So, right. Is this uh, something that you you think you want to, you know, eventually pursue full time, or what are your well, goals with it? I mean, that would be the dream if I could do that. That would be amazing. You know, uh, it's yeah. I've heard you say it before. You were looking for a way to get into the music industry, and <laughs> Tom Mob just kind of you know the podcast, and you got the gift of talking. So that kind of happened for you. I was kind of doing the same thing. I actually work in electronics and I thought about maybe, maybe I could do a pedal business thing, but I felt like it was way too overcrowded. And, uh, it wasn't until picks came along that I was like, ah, oh, man, I feel like I'm finally part of the community now. I feel like I'm, you know, doing something. Yeah. yeah it's a, uh, it's such an interesting thing because, you know, I get, I get this question like thrown at me a lot. Like, how do you, how do you, you know, how do you do it? How did you do it? And I'm like, well, I did it in a weird way that I don't know. I don't know if it is easily, you know, easy to replicate or not. <laughs> it's, I kind of like shoehorned my way in and found out that I had some skills that, you know, people valued, which I didn't consider skills. <laughs> I didn't think that they were, they were just, you know, I don't know what to say. They were like more like common sense things, you know, to me. But it turns out that it's a, I'm just a big nerd. That's what it turns out. Is <laughs> I'm a bigger nerd than I realized. Um, but you know, it's it's such an interesting angle to try to pursue because, I mean, it, this is weird that we're talking about this. Literally, right before we started recording, I was reading this article. Uh, Elon Musk was at a conference of some sort recently with a bunch of big business people and he was talking about AI like he always is and how it's going to make eventually so many jobs completely obsolete right just like completely pointless um right and and not and you know he he pointed to a couple things that in his mind were going to be sheltered from that and one of the first one was the actual programming of of these 
you know, AIs and other thing automations that are coming. But the but then he said, even in his this is just his theory, he has been right quite often, so I guess it's worth paying attention to. Uh he said that even then, eventually the AI is gonna be able to program itself. Oh, and wow. I was like, Well, okay. <laughs> what are we gonna do then? And uh he went on to say like fields that uh connect people that have like a lot of you know interpersonal connection between humans he's like i don't think that's ever going to be going away um and you know things like gyms things like you know entertainment like things like that probably not going away and then the the last thing he said and it was kind of weird because it was like a footnote in the article and it was art like he thought that that arts and artists would be fairly safe from that um, which is always the big question, right? People are always like, what can't AI do? And usually it's it's pointed at music or art in some way, which right. uh, is kind of a interesting. It's, it's interesting to look down the barrel of that. And, and if that is correct, like, what does that mean for, are the musicians magically ahead of the curve somehow for the first time in our entire lives? <laughs> like what's going on? What are, I don't know where I'm going with this train of thought, but it was just, it was like literally like the last thing I looked at on the internet before we hopped on the, uh, the microphone. I was like, I wonder if we'll talk about that. But well, I mean, I, th- I think I get it. Like, can you, could you, could you get an AI, AI robot to sit down and improvise on a chord progression? And then have the same thing done by a real life person. I don't think that, you you know what I think will happen. I think the robot will end up sounding like a quantized drum, drum loop or something where everything's Mm -hmm. on the beat where, you know, a person playing a lot of times when I'm improvising, I don't even know the next thing I'm going to play. It just, my fingers just do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't think that. I I just can't see how they could program AI to be able to do that. There's so many complexities, especially when it comes to things like the human voice that seem like it would, you know, even with the most advanced technology, it seems like it'd be almost impossible to replicate. Like we're just now getting to where modeling is almost indistinguishable from the real thing when recorded. Um, And that's taken a long time. And a you know oh, yeah. a distorted guitar chord is pretty harmonically rich and pretty complicated. That's that takes a lot of math. But can you imagine like trying to get an exact, you know, recreation of like Kurt Cobain's voice? Like whether somebody likes that <laughs> or not is you know, you know, up for debate. But like, I can't see a robot being able to pull that off. You know, no, not not right now at least. And then like the the and also I think we we tend to recognize the beauty in our messiness. And I think a robot would be too precise and, or we'd be able to recognize when it's making a, an, a quote unquote error on purpose, you know? Right. Uh, Cause I don't think it would, I don't think it would have those, those tendencies or like you say, it's, it knows what it's going to do next and we might be able to tell what it's going to do next too. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird subject to, to branch out into. Yeah. It's pretty wild to th- when, when you sit down and think about everything that AI will be able to do, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy what I can do while I can do it. 
probably a good move. Yeah. What what kind of electronics do you work in now? Oh, uh, we just make uh, transmitters and receivers. We do a lot. You've seen the commercials. I fall and can't get up. Yes. We we make a lot of those uh, transmitters that call nursing stations and make nurse calls, and uh, we make uh, transmitters receivers also for uh, a company called Full Alert that lets you know whenever the horse is getting ready to go into labor. It's, you know. What? what? The horse hits yeah. a button or something? No, no. The horse has a uh, transmitter that is uh, sutured to itself. And whenever it starts to dilate, it lets ah. it, it, it sets the transmitter off, which tells the receiver inside, lets the farmer know that they're getting ready to be a foal. So, Gotcha. Gotcha. Like, can't imagine the, the horse walking around with one of those life alert things on his neck <laughs> i didn't know that yeah. was a thing but that makes a lot of sense otherwise yeah, you know the guy's gonna be yeah off milking the cow somewhere while the horse is trying to give birth i never yeah. really thought of that before oh, yeah some people really take their horses serious you know those horses that. that race i mean they spend a lot of money on them horses so it's really important to them to know when they're getting ready to you know have a baby i mean yeah horse people you know we think gear people are weird you're talking to horse people that's a whole nother level it's a whole it's a whole nother ball game uh you got to be dedicated if you're going to be a horse person it's hard to even it's hard to do horses like halfway even if you aren't like racing them or doing any kind of competition it's hard to like just kind of be into horses (laughs) yeah you can't really just kind of do it no it's like oh i do i do i i have horses sometimes (laughs) and sometimes i don't you know you got to be dedicated, man. Yeah. But on the gear side of things, like how did you find the podcast and how did you like get so involved in all of the online communities and everything? Uh, I'm, I'm just a gear nerd. And so uh, I was on the gear page and I haven't been on the gear page in years, but I used to follow it like crazy. And uh, I found uh, there was only a, a couple podcasts. I used to listen to uh, Guitar Nerds when it was GAK. Mm-hmm. And uh, I listened to them for a long time. I listened to uh, I th- Wampler, the the Chase and Tone podcast with Wampler, I think was on just before you for a little bit. And I listened to that. And I think it just came naturally that I found yours either by Instagram or by uh, a group on Facebook or something. But I mean, I was, I found you really, really quick. And so that's, that's about how that happened. Yeah. The, the chasing tone podcast was, it was around for, I'm not sure how long before I, before I started it, um, or not started it, but before I started this one, it was, I want to say I didn't get involved in chasing tone until after episode 100, but it yeah. was definitely one of the shows that I was like, well, this podcast's about gear. I remember <laughs> like my friend Leon, he he was like, dude, you got to check out this Chasing Tone podcast. I'm like, what What do they talk about? He's like, well, they talk about all the same stuff we talk about. I was like, like pedals and, and guitars and stuff? He's like, yeah. Like there's there's podcasts for that. I think at the time I only knew of like Adam Carolla's podcast and like maybe a handful of like businessy type ones or whatever. But I, I never thought that like there would be hobby type podcasts, which of course there were hundreds, if not thousands of them at the time that are really niche like this. Right. And uh, 
I started listening to Chasing Tone. I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I'd been listening to like four for like four to six months somewhere in there. And I was like, well, there doesn't seem to be an interview show. And I'd already kind of gotten started on Instagram a little bit by that point, but I couldn't, I couldn't find where there was another interview show for gear nerds and guitar people. And I just, I found this ringer app and I was like, well, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. It was a, it was a weird, it was a, it's weird to look back on that time in, in my life. Cause it was very much like I wanted to do something, but I didn't know how or what. And I was just trying stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And here we are. Yeah. And it was really cool listening to your podcast cause it was so different than, you know, chasing tone or guitar nerds because you were interviewing people. Like you were interviewing the people that were actually making the stuff and, uh, they got a different point of view and it, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. Still do. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's been quite the journey. I remember my, my friend worked at the same place that I did and, uh, I remember coming in. I'm like, dude, I'm interviewing Robert Keeley tonight. And he's oh, like, yeah. what? He's like, you're interviewing Robert Keeley? I'm like, yeah, on the phone. Like, I'm going to be talking to Robert Keeley. And he's like, that's so crazy. I'm like, I know what is going on right now. It yeah. Was, and it was dude, weird. Dude, that Keeley episode, too, like, that was a deep podcast. Like, I really learned a lot about Robert Keeley in that podcast. That was that was the moment for me that I thought, like, oh, I might be onto something here. Like, yeah, like I, I, I was really surprised that he was. I mean, we didn't know each other really at all. We had talked for like ten minutes before to like get it all set up and and get going, and then all of a sudden we were we were going, and I, I had no idea that people would be willing to talk to me about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, because I don't know that if I was struggling with things like that, I don't know if I would want to talk to some random guy on the internet about it, where potentially a bunch of people were going to hear it. <laughs> you know, yeah. that episode's been downloaded like thousands and thousands of times by this point. I don't even know how many downloads it has, but I can't imagine being that uh, that open. Now I can, but at the time I couldn't imagine being that open and and. Uh, revealing with such personal things but yeah it, it keeps happening for some reason but I, I i think that's why it made it such a great podcast and everything that he that he spoke about ended up being very inspiring you know to know that mm -hmm. you can get through things and and come out on the other side you know even better it was i really enjoyed that one yeah and that's been kind of a reoccurring theme you know he's not he's not the first a person to well he was the first but he's not the only person to start you know expressing you know their struggles with addiction that it just seems to be kind of a reoccurring thing that happens on the show which is really kind of astounding to me yeah like i come i started this to talk about fuzz pedals <laughs> <laughs> but uh the the off and you since you've been following it for so long you may have noticed like the off the beaten path stuff, the more personal things are what make it more interesting to me now. Cause you know, we, we can only talk about true bypass versus buffered bypass so many times before. It's oh like, yeah. Okay, I got it. 
I got yep. we, okay. We don't need to talk about this ever again. So talking about the more that's why I redid the description here sometime last year. It was just like, well, this is kind of a guitar show. Right. <laughs> it, sort of. That's where we start. Yep. So since it's kind of a guitar show, tell me about your guitars. What do you got? What's your favorites? Oh man. Well, I I love Ernie Ball music man guitars i have a uh the cutlass which is uh my favorite i just love that guitar it's like it's like the perfect strat you know just one volume one tone uh amazing tremolo system in that guitar the neck just feels right uh, locking tuners it just stays in tune pickups are great what a great guitar i mean just they knocked it out of the park with that guitar and then i also have the uh, stingray which is like their offset uh, dual humbucker guitar. And it plays great. It's a great guitar. Uh, the other two electrics I have is a, uh, let's see, a 2009 Gibson Les Paul Studio Deluxe. And uh, yeah, I figured you'd like that one. You like the Les Pauls. It's, oh, yes. I like that guitar. For some reason, I can't, I don't get along with a Les Paul shape as much as I do with uh, like the the curves of a like strap body, like the Ernie Ball Music Man. I say that, but then I also say I love my uh, Fender Telecaster. I've got a 98, a 98 Telecaster that I just love. And it definitely doesn't have curves. It's just like a slab body. But I don't know what it is about that Les Paul. I probably just don't play it enough, honestly. And... uh the acoustics I have, I have that, my dad gifted me that Gibson J45 and I have that and that'll never leave me. I'll have that forever. And, uh, I have a, a breed love Oregon series dreadnought that I really like. And, uh, that's, that's pretty much the other, I've got some other guitars that I can't think of. I've got like a Alvarez acoustic that I played when I was a kid. Uh, and I've got an Ibanez bass that I played in church for a while. That's about it. It's really cool that you ended up with that that Gibson. Um, yeah. I, the, yeah the, the, getting a family instrument like that, especially when it's something that cool, is it's kind of indescribable. Like it's hard. It, it's I feel really lucky to have my grandpa's guitar, and I still remember like. When he was like, "Here, you can just keep this." I'm like, yeah. "What? Like what? Like yeah. pinch me? I'm not a lot. I can't be. This is a dream. Like this isn't real right now, you know." Right. And to him, like he knew it was valuable, but it, like to him, he he knew it was just like he's gonna love this. And to me, it's just gonna sit in my closet, you know. Like, and you got that that J45 that like that kind of come full circle, right? It's like what you started on. And yeah, now it's yours. What's, you know, my, my grandpa passed away when I was like one and a half. It was before I was two. And so I, I don't really have any memories of him. But when I pick up that guitar, that's kind of like a connection that I have with him that I didn't really get to have since he passed away so early. So it's so sentimental to me, but it's also just a great playing guitar. And it, it doesn't sound like any other acoustic I've ever played. Uh, it it just has the sound 
and the story. It, I'll just never give it. I'll, I'll never give it away. I'll never let it go. No, and you definitely should not. Yeah, that would be the guitar. I know when you had that crazy fire going on up there and you had to pick like a few guitars and that would be the guitar I'd pick. I'd grab that guitar and that would be number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I. It was weird to like have asked that question and thought about that for so long and then to actually act, you know, put it into action was like, this is a, this is a weird feeling. Um, that, that used to be like a standard question I had of if you're, if there was a burning building and you could only take one, what would it be? And I, I really never thought that I would have to live that, but it did make that decision really fast. It was like that one. Yeah. Okay. You know, like that's, that's the one. Well, it was, there was almost no thinking. I grabbed that and I grabbed my mule resonator, um, because that you know, that one was a gift too, and I was just like, "Yeah, uh, all right, I'm good. Time to throw everything in the truck." But right, yeah, man, 2020, what a year! That was <laughs> <It's> so crazy, <laughs> man. This is this is interesting. We are recording this in 2020. It will be coming out in 2021. Oh so yeah, that's true. This is a we're on right on the cusp. Have you taken anything out of this year, like? It's been a rough year. It's it's been it's been wild for everyone. There's not anybody that I think that that is hearing this podcast that hasn't been touched in some way by this strange year. But have you taken any any wisdom or any lessons out of the year? Yeah, um, you know before before all this crazy stuff started, you know on the weekends we would go shopping or whatever with the family. As crazy as it was with three kids. And all this stuff. And we, we just don't do that anymore. And we're just home and we spend a lot of time just together as a family. And my kids are all small. I've got twin girls that are seven. And then I've got a another little girl that's two. And I just I just take the time to just watch them and just enjoy them and just try to play with them. You know, they only stay a little for so long and then they're they're older. So I'm just trying to enjoy every minute I get with them, you know. I think that's uh, that's been an interesting, you know, juxtaposition for a lot of people. They've went from working wherever, you know, and their kids are going to school to suddenly being, you know, kind of trapped together. Yeah. And I think it probably has caused a lot of people to go a little bit crazy. I can imagine for me, it wasn't really that much different because I'd already been kind of I'd already been working at home. So it really didn't change a whole lot for me. Um, And my kids are so young that like school wasn't really that big of a deal. You know, he was about to go into kindergarten and we're like, oh, well, we'll just homeschool kindergarten. It's it's just kindergarten. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Right. Uh, Well, actually, this is kind of a, a funny sidebar, but we signed him up for school. And then we decided to homeschool him and a teacher called us like, oh, we noticed that Vincent wasn't, you know, wasn't in signed up for any online classes or whatever. And my wife was like, oh, yeah, well, we decided that, you know, he's young enough that, that we can probably just homeschool him and it'll be OK. And the teacher was like, that's a very good idea. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, uh, well, if the, his own teacher is saying that, I guess we'll just continue with that. She must be under a lot of a lot of pressure right now. Oh, so, man, I can't imagine. I can't either. What, how have your kids done with it, the seven-year-olds? Ah, uh, you know, well, I'm just glad they're smart. Like, they really, <laughs> I mean, they really are smart. And, you know, when I went to school, I did math in a totally different way that they're doing math now. They're doing this common core math. And I just, I was never great at math when I was in school anyway. So the math that they're doing now in second grade is just like, I don't understand why you're having to draw 10 boxes, make a graph and make, you know, all these like Venn diagrams and circles for 11 minus two. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, but but they, I mean, my girls are reading chapter books. I mean, they're they're just really smart. So the school stuff has not really been hard. So that's good. That's not that's been good. the biggest. The biggest difference has been just for my girls not being at school full time and not being able to interact with the, their friends the way they normally would. Um, it's just been it's just been a crazy year. Yeah, yeah. It's nice, like it's a really a stark juxtaposition from a few months ago, even though when we're like, when is this going to, you know, when is this going to end? You know, when, like, is this ever going to end? It's kind of nice that now we can like look down the barrel of the gun and be like, okay, this is almost over. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we got, we've made it this far. We can make it another, you know, however many months <laughs> we'll be okay. You know, right. like, but man, if we were looking at like year two, <laughs> yeah oh no is this ever gonna end yeah. you know it's nice to it's really nice and for me it's like a huge sigh of relief to be like okay this is gonna be over you know relatively soon right uh, and i think everybody there's a collective sigh of relief being breathed by the entire planet and just knowing that that's the case definitely um but yeah when uh when things are back up and going what's the Number one thing that you're looking forward to? Number one thing I'm looking forward to? Probably being able to go out and, and watch live music again with my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've, I've got a good, a good friend of mine, Andrew Bullock. And, uh, you know, he's got a family too and kids. And that was kind of our thing to like get away and just have some guy time and, I think the last concert we saw uh, might have been Ariel Post in, in Charlotte. And oh it's my. Not a bad, it's not a bad dude, show. I mean, that was so awesome. That guy, I mean, he he's one of my favorite guitarists and singer songwriters. He's just, he's awesome. And that was an, that was such a good show. I saw, I can't remember if that was the last one or if Pete Thorne was the last one I saw in Charlotte. He did a clinic down there at Midwood Guitar Studio, and oh man, so cool! I've been a huge fan of Pete forever, and both of those were really cool. Yeah, Ariel Ariel's a great dude too. I I don't know Pete. I would love to get him on the show one of these days, but yeah, Ariel's just he's just a funny dude. Um, yeah, we I don't remember if I've told this on the podcast or not. Maybe I have, but we were at this Fender thing at the last Winter Nam show, and. It was like, 
me and Jess and I think, yeah, Scott uh, from Stringjoy, we were standing there like watching the show and like I get this text message. I'm like, who's texting me right now? Is it, you know, is it Lynn? What's going on? Uh, I mean, it's from Ariel and he's like, the back of your head looks really nice. <laughs> and I'm like, turn around and he's just like, his face is just like right behind, like almost like <laughs> touching noses, like right there. I was like, oh, dude, <laughs> he scared me. Oh, that's I was, funny. I was not expecting that at all. I, was, I mean, I assumed he was there, but uh, yeah, it was just a funny, funny experience. He's a good dude. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, live music, though. That is the... I'm with you. That is the number one thing I'm looking forward to. That's like my wife and I's thing. Like instead of going out for dinner and a movie, which I mean, we do that too occasionally, but if we're leaving the, the kids with the grandparents, it's probably cause we're going to a concert. Yeah. And yeah. Last, the last yeah. show I saw was actually the last in-person interview I did as well. Uh, was Dave Hawes. Uh, and, uh, we recorded that in the, noisy it's not even really a green room it's like a green room that's like just up above the stage huh well, well not above the stage but like above the the audience facing the stage oh wow but the door is just a steel like gate it's not a door so so like the guys were sound checking and we're trying back there trying to record and it's just it's like there's not a door on it it's just oh, that's crazy through. If you go back and listen to that episode, it's an awesome episode, but it's very loud. But yeah, yeah, that was the last live show that we saw. And like literally a couple of days later, that was the day that you went on Instagram and every musician that you follow was like canceling my tour, mm-hmm. like, I'm canceling my tour. And I was like looking at Dave saying like, yeah, I canceled the tour. It was like, whoa, we just talked to you like two days ago. This is so weird. Like, yeah, what a strange time. It's, it's like uh, m- my wife is is into the what what you call bro country oh no yeah i know i'm I'm sorry i hate to admit it but she i'm 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 definitely not but she is but we both grew up on 90s country and Mm -hmm. so my dad listened to that all the time so i know all that 90s country stuff and we were gonna go uh with a couple of couple friends to see garth brooks in concert in charlotte nice and i was really looking forward to that and i think that was supposed to be in may and we're like, oh no, please don't take that away. And I'm I'm trying to be optimistic, like, oh, this this is only gonna last a couple of weeks. You know, this is gonna be no big thing. And then all of a sudden they cancel that one and they they put it to October, I think it was. They rescheduled it to October. I told my wife, I said, Don't worry, summer's gonna be here. That all the hot, hot air is gonna knock this virus out. It's gonna be fine. And then it gets canceled again. It's, it's rescheduled for next year sometime. Who knows? Hopefully we'll get to go. Yeah, I, and I feel like in some ways I jinxed it because I was really looking forward to the My Chemical Romance reunion. Uh, oh, yeah. And I was like, I was all scheduled with Frank. Like, we was going to go, I was going to bring a box of gear to nerd out on in Tacoma, Washington. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> and uh, Lynn was like, hey, you know, th- anything could happen between now and then. And this is way before, like, the virus was like really even talked about um maybe like december or something i can't remember it was shortly after they announced the tour so like nobody was even really talking about the rona yet right and and uh she's like hey that's a long time from now anything could happen i was like yes i'm so excited though it's gonna be amazing 
We're going to nerd out on gear. And we're going to watch the Mike Hem show. I never got to catch him back in the day. This is going to be great. And then uh, I was like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> I already talked to Frank about it. What's going to happen? Yeah, I, I did it. It's my fault. Ah, uh, you thing. jinxed us. <laughs> yeah, I did. I jinxed. It was like a year and a half out. I was this like, what's going to happen? It'll be fine. This is It'll all your fine. fault. I know. What did I do? What did I do? Man. So let's see. Oh, you know, we glossed totally over. We talked about your guitars, but we didn't talk about the rest of your rig or your amps or any of that other stuff. What What else do you have over there? Oh, man. I mean, my pedals change weekly. Uh, right now, like my staple staples that I've got is uh, the Ego Compressor by Wampler. Love that pedal. And the Velvet Fuzz. Those those two are great. Uh, I got that new, uh, for Christmas, I got that new uh, Tube Screamer, the new tube mm-hmm. Tube Screamer. That's, that's pretty great. I like that. Um, I like the blend control on that. It kind of takes away some of that uh, nasal mid-bump type sound that that tube screamers have and uh i just traded for a greer light speed which i've i've borrowed that from a friend before so i'm looking forward to that pedal again because man that was a great pedal yeah that's a fantastic overdrive that's a staple for sure and uh what else do i got uh wampler terraform which is really cool it's got a bunch of different modulation effects they all sound great and uh uh like a Pink Panther delay by JHS, and then a Strymon Big Sky. That's basically what I'm what I'm running on my pedal board right now. Um, and then my amps, I go stereo. Well, I guess you call it stereo. The two outs of the Big Sky. One goes to a Vox AC15, and the other goes to a uh, Fender Deluxe, the '68 custom. Ooh, I like those. That yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. And those two those two uh, amps sound really good together. And I just, I run those pretty clean and then just get everything from my, from the pedals. Yeah. That's, that's how I usually do things too. I, I don't know. I, it, it's just always been more versatile and and worked easier. I think we're also kind of spoiled because the pedals nowadays are so good. Oh, they are. I don't think you could really pull that off that running clean and getting everything from pedals. Like that would have been hard to pull off when we were kids. Yeah, I don't think that would have been the way to go. <laughs> that's why nobody did it, I guess. <laughs> right. But uh, that's a good combo that you have there, the AC-15. And I was really hoping, like, please say Deluxe Reverb. It's like, yeah. say Deluxe Reverb. I'm like, ah, yeah, that's a that's a money combo right there. It really does um, sound good. With So I have never spent just a ton of time with an AC-style amp. I've, I've had one on hand for, like... Maybe about a month that I did use for a giveaway. It was a oh, it's a third power. What did, what was that? Um, it was so long ago. Yeah, it was a it was a, such a gorgeous amp, so good, and uh, it uh, it just was really a fight for me to find a drive that worked good with it. It was, and I think that's I've heard that the other people have had that struggle too. But do you run into that with ACs? Oh, you know what I did? I uh, since I'm such a nerd, I had to change it up a little bit. So <laughs> I put I put new tubes in it, and I also switched out the greenback speaker for a ah, uh, uh, it's that warehouse speaker the uh, the one that they always recommend for everything. Um, 
I don't know which one do they which one do they run? Jeez, uh, I can't. It's it's escaping me right now. Uh, only one that I can think of off the top of my head that I remember the name of is the Reaper, but I don't know if that's it. No, it's not the Reaper. It's the uh, shoot. Maybe I'll remember in, in a couple of minutes. But yeah, I, I changed it out with the warehouse speaker, and it really like just kind of rounded that treble off and it it just sounds so much better with by itself and with pedals now um made a big difference i i replaced the tubes with uh, uh i believe it was uh tongue soul and uh maybe electroharmonics preamp tubes i think mm-hmm. uh but that really warmed it up i didn't really notice much difference in the uh the overall drive uh but just playing it clean, it, it was definitely made a little bit difference, made it warmer. And then the speaker made the most difference. It definitely warmed it up a little bit. But uh, speakers, I, you know, I, and I am guilty of this too. I don't think we as gear nerds like give speakers enough credit because like you don't hear about people swapping speakers all that often. And like pedals, sure, like all, all day, different drive pedals, different whatever. But you don't ever hear much speaker talk, but speakers are literally what makes the sound. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you know, they're huge. They have such a big impact. Like, I think that speaker was like $90 or a hundred bucks less than I would spend for a pedal. And it made a huge difference. You know, I just, I couldn't believe how much better it sounded after I made the change. Yeah. I've got my grandpa's uh, champ here. And it's always sounded kind of cool, but it, and you know, champs have their limitations. But then I swapped in a warehouse. Uh, it's their anniversary Alnico, and it's like it's like an eight inch. It's a very small speaker for those specifically for those champs. Yeah, and it just fixed everything, every complaint that I had. Like the, it would do this like really weird flubby thing where the speaker just couldn't quite handle it, like. You could hear the amp breaking up, but then the speaker was also kind of rattling around in a not very pleasant way. And it fixed all of that. It like it sounds like the most perfect champ now with that man. Just that simple speaker upgrade. It's fantastic. And it's it's not even a a real expensive upgrade, but it makes such a big difference in your tone. Mm hmm. I, I think a lot of it is, you know, some people and again, myself included, may not like know what we want. Like we know what kind of drive sound we want. Yeah. So it's easily, I want a light speed or whatever. But like, we may not know, like, what is the difference between a cream back and a green back sonically? Right. You know, like, you can read all the descriptive words, but if you haven't played around with it, it's hard to really know. So it's, uh, speakers are important, everybody. Don't neglect the speakers. (laughs) Speaking of the light speed, did you know that Nick uh, recently moved to Portland? I saw that he he had moved to Portland. I did see that, but he's keeping his business in uh, in Georgia, right? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he's doing all of the pedal stuff still, like as normal. Yeah, uh, with the guys in the shop there. I think he's doing. I think I don't. I might be speaking out of turn here, but I think he's going to be building the amps here. Oh, okay. I think I could. I I may have made that up. So don't don't hold me to that, <laughs> Gear Amps fans. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, I uh, actually met up with him the other day. I needed some. I knew that he had just moved across the country, and I needed some 
styrofoam packing peanuts for a, a, a scarecrow <laughs> that I was I mean, making for, for my mom. Um, and yeah, we met, met up and he had a whole box of packing peanuts for me and we, you know, wow. socially distanced hello and, you know, it was a good time. It was just weird to see him here. Like, Port- you're, you're here now. Portland, Portland is like the uh, Nashville of the West. I mean, it just seems like so many pedal companies and, and gear guys and just amazing bands and stuff come from that area. It's crazy. I think you hit the nail right on the head. Every time I've gone to Nashville, there's definitely like some hipster Portland places that I go eat at. I'm like, this restaurant literally could be in Portland. Like, <laughs> it looks like a Portland restaurant. Uh, I don't know how that happened. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of, they're, I don't know, different different cities for sure and they have different vibes once you're there but there's a lot of similarities i think nashville is the only other place in the country that i would i would choose to live yeah that would be cool well we're getting down to the last few minutes here and i've got a couple classic questions to ask you but now is the point at which uh this is your time to shine this is your time to uh tell the people whatever's been on your mind uh anything you want to plug this is your your opportunity. Let's see my my big opportunity here. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're into guitar picks, if you're into trying something different, that's not just the normal flimsy pick that you buy at the uh, you know the guitar center or whatever. And not to put any of that stuff down because I use that stuff for years. And I mean, find the guitar pick works for you, and that works. But if you want to try something different, you know try out my, my picks at honey picks. And, uh, I've got an Etsy store. I'm working, I'm working hard to get a website up, uh, with a new store working on that. But besides that, like, don't just check my stuff out. There's a guy called, uh, John Tron Davidson. And he, he has this YouTube channel called heavy ripping. And he's kind of like the, he's kind of like the guy that has brought the pick makers all together in this big community. And if you go on heavyripping.com, he's got a bunch of different uh, uh, reviews and things about picks. He he really just knows everything about picks. So go check him out. Uh, check out all the different picks that he reviews and things like that. Um, yeah, I don't really have much else to say besides that. All right. That works. That works. Okay. We're getting into the classic questions here. So I, I know you've probably you're probably ready oh, ready to go with this, aren't you? I am ready. I know exactly what you're gonna ask. <laughs> All right. First off, what's your favorite boss pedal? That one's easy. That's a BF two flanger. Oh yeah, my man. I love the BF two. I and and I had that I had that pedal. I bought it at a pawn shop for twenty five bucks probably ten years ago. And I sold it, I think probably three years ago. And I have missed it every day. Like nothing gets that sound. Like it just, I don't know. Like I think of all the pedals I've had, I've had some good pedals. I just really miss that boss BF2. Like it, it just did something to the signal. It just, I don't know. It's just, I was stupid to sell it. I'm going to buy another one off reverb, but right now everybody seems to think that the BF2 is the greatest too, because the prices have gone up every year that I sold it. So Maybe I should just go ahead and buy it before it keeps going. <laughs> before it's a clon. Right. Yeah. I can't believe the clon prices, honestly. Like I remember back when I like really started 
paying attention to your stuff, I'm like, wow, Klon is twelve or fifteen hundred dollars. Like, what? That's crazy. Right. Now they're going for like three and five. Well, I don't know if they're selling for five, but I've seen them listed for five. I've seen them listed for five, and I'm like, I'm like, you know that you can get really, really good, you know, Klon clones for two hundred bucks, right? Right. I mean, I get it. That I get but, there's like, like. There's a little bit of something. It's kind of like I was talking to somebody the other day. I can't remember who about uh, Gibsons. Like, I know that there are better guitars and there's, you know, there's equally good Epiphones and all that jazz. But like, if I, if I want a Les Paul, I really want it to say Gibson on the headstock. And I know it doesn't make any sense. I know that they, they're not necessarily the greatest company in the world. I know all that stuff, but I want it to say Gibson. <laughs> yeah, I just. Well, I mean, it's it's no different than if you pick up a Squire guitar that plays amazing, and you pick up a Fender guitar that plays amazing. Even though the Squire costs less, you're still going to pick that Fender up because it's a Fender. Mm-hmm. Like it's just same thing with Gibson and Epiphone. You're just going to pick up that Gibson because it it is the Gibson. Like yeah, I mean, it just it is what it is. I think there's probably a level of that with the clon stuff too. Like I can't personally justify that kind of coin on that particular pedal, especially when I have clones that I like really well. Yeah. I don't think would, I really don't think there would be much of an improvement. Right. But I kind of get it. I mean, at this point I kind of feel like it's more of an investment than it is Mm -hmm. to have to play. I'd be afraid to play it. I wouldn't want to break it. Three thousand dollar pedal. I just keep that thing, and maybe the prices will go up to six thousand, seven thousand in a few years. You know. Well, that's the thing is, especially with that pedal, if you break it, it's hard to fix because oh, it's yeah. all gooped up too. So it's oh, not yeah. even like an easy repair. So yeah, I get it. It's uh, fortunately like they're not probably going to break. Like I mean, a foot switch might go out at some point, but that's yeah, that's that's pretty easy. Um. All right, here we go. Final question, and I know you've been prepared for this, so here we go. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Okay, so my wife makes the best pizza that you've ever tried. She okay. she she makes the dough by hand. She does she, everything's from scratch, and this dough has herbs in it. I don't know she cooks with, with some kind of oil. She puts pesto along with marinara on it and she's got like uh what is it is it roasted tomatoes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh ham um i mean cheese but not too much but the the crust is not it's like a, it's like a hand toss it's not super thick nothing like a pan and it's not super thin it's just perfect man and it comes out of the oven like you got to eat it like like right out of the oven it's so good Mm, but yeah it's it's delicious and the way i eat my pizza is the way that you should eat it with parmesan cheese crushed red pepper and hot mm-hmm. sauce Ooh, i like it. i like it. i like your style <laughs> now I like that. now blake i will say this i know you're not a fan of pineapple and my wife is a big fan of the ham and pineapple so i eat it but it's not my favorite thing but something that i think you would like is there's a hot sauce with pineapple in it. And uh, I'll have to take a picture of it and send it. I think I did share it to Tomob Facebook group 
a while back. Oh yeah, but, that's right. I forgot what it's called, but, but I remember this post. It's like it's like Marie Marie Sharps or Marie something hot sauce. Yeah. Oh man, right. it is so good. Like it is really. I think you would like that because it's just a little hint of pineapple. But oh man, it's so good on pizza. I I have had some hot sauces with with pineapple in them before that I liked. Yeah. So I'm willing to give this a try. It sounds yeah. sounds good. I love hot sauces. Yeah. I'm a huge hot sauce junkie. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. My my kids are always like <laughs> anything that I eat and they're like, "You going to put hot sauce on that, daddy?" Like my mm-hmm. little <laughs> 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 and my 2-year-old even knows knows well enough not to eat the food that's on my plate because she'll look at it and she'll say, "Daddy, that's hot sauce in it." I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my kids are kind of weird. Like, like I don't know if you get. Do you guys get Tim's jalapeno chips over there? I'm not sure if that's a nationwide thing or if it's just a Northwest thing. I've I've never seen it. Yeah, there. I think it is a Northwest thing, but they're not the craziest uh, heat level in the world. But you you get you know after you've been eating them for a while, it's like whoo, it's kind of warm in here. Yeah, like. It's not that hot. I can easily like polish off a whole bag and be fine, but it definitely creeps up on you a little bit after you've had a few handfuls. Yeah. Uh, and for a long time, Vincent would just eat them. <laughs> he would just eat them like it was no big deal. And then all of a sudden, one day he'd found out they were spicy. Oh, wow. It was, it was like, you used to eat these all the time. What are you talking about? But yeah, he, he can do spicy chips, but, uh, he doesn't like any hot sauce on his eggs or anything like that. And I'm like, come on, kid. You oh, man. Hot sauce Stop on eggs. Just... Yeah. You've got to have oh, hot yeah. sauce on your eggs. I mean. You have to. You have to. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> how, how do you feel about Tabasco sauce? I feel like, for me, Tabasco sauce is not It's not the greatest sauce in the world. But if it's between, like for eggs, the perfect example. If it's between having no hot sauce and having Tabasco, I'm definitely going to put the Tabasco on. Yeah, I mean Tabasco is definitely not my favorite. Um, but like you said, like if if I don't have another hot sauce around and I've got Tabasco, I'll, I'll grab the Tabasco. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely not one of my favorite sauces. Uh, it's, no, it's an entry level. It's what got me into sauces when yeah. I was in like third grade. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what's it's, Tabasco? Oh, this tastes pretty good. And then from then, I was just like, give me all of the hot sauce. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you have a favorite hot sauce? I just really like that. I've tried like seven or eight of that same. I think it's Marie Sharps. I'm probably saying that wrong, but I think it's Marie Sharps. But they've got like mango, pineapple. Uh, oh, they've got a smoked habanero that is. Ooh. Oh, it is so good. And they've got a uh, like a sweet pepper, a sweet heat pepper or something like that. I don't know. They're all good. Any, any one of those, I'll take. That sounds that sounds phenomenal. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a try. Yeah, I'll give it a try. I'll report back. And they don't. It's it's not like there's not a lot of heat to their hot sauce, which I I can get down with the heat, but there is this more like a flavor hot sauce. Like you mm-hmm. could just like you could you could drown your food in this hot sauce and you wouldn't be burned up, you know. It's not yeah. it's it's not hot to me at all. Even though it says habanero and you think, oh yeah, it's gonna be hot. It's not really hot. It just tastes good on everything. You know. I like that. That yeah. sounds good. 
Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I can do the heat, and I I, I like pr- some pretty hot hot sauces, but they they just have to taste good. Yeah, I don't want to eat a hot eat, eat something, put hot sauce on it, and then it just be hot sauce. No, like I I want it to enhance what I'm eating. Yes, yes. Like yeah. I did that one chip challenge. I don't know oh, if you saw that. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that you turned it off before the crazy got. It it was it was gross. Yeah, it didn't taste good at all. Yeah, like it was like this is uncomfortably hot. Yes, but beyond it, not beyond it being really hot, it just tasted bad. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, all right, everybody. For Rick, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in and riding with me to the end of this episode. It's it's been awesome. You know, it's an astonishing thing, honestly. It's really crazy, especially if you look at like YouTube data versus podcast data. And it makes sense because of the way people consume things. But I was just looking at um, Spotify tells me like the percentage that people actually finish of the podcast. And you all listen to like at, on average 85% of the episode, which is crazy. Uh, that is, that is so insane compared to like YouTube where it's like they watch 3% of your video, which is, is really interesting. But anyway, uh, thank you all to everyone who rides out to the end. I know that the ends are usually just a lot of plugs and a lot of thank yous and a lot of requests to share this with a friend. Please review the podcast. Please check out the tonemob.com slash sweetwater and tonemob.com slash reverb links for all of your gear purchasing needs. A little bit of that comes back and helps keep some wind in the sails of this weird pirate ship. So yeah, I know it's normally just a bunch of that stuff and probably not that interesting, but thank you so much for sticking around for the full thing and for supporting the show and all that jazz. So let's wrap this thing up. Uh, Yeah, talk to you next week. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. 
I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.